right, everybody. So back on the podcast, we have natural hypertrophy. How are we doing, man? Great. How are you today? Doing well. Doing well. What's the shirt? Is that Superman? Superman, yeah. Are you more into, uh, I know before we talked a little bit like with anime and whatnot, are you into like Marvel versus DC at all? I'm more of a DC guy. Okay. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I'm a big Marvel fanboy, or I I was up until a couple of years ago. I unfortunately have to recognize that it has gone downhill a little bit. It makes me sad and feel. Yeah, it went mainstream, and now it belongs to the normies. Right. <laughs> so uh, we had you on. I guess it was probably a couple months ago now. Uh, we we talked a little bit here and there, and then uh, recently I sent you. The video I made on genetics and then uh, Jeffrey Barry Schofield had a response video to that, mostly in agreement. Um, and you said you had taken a little time to watch both of those. Is that right? Exactly. I have uh, some notes. <laughs> okay, great, great. Okay, so um, I will certainly link below the uh, the original video we're talking about. Um, but it seemed like, I mean, of course, people are generally going to give more well hopefully you know online you never know but most of the time people are going to state if they agree with you hey you know good job good video maybe less dissenting views i imagine you and i have some disagreement there mm -hmm. so um let's dive into it yeah well first and foremost i want to say that uh, i recommend everyone watch the video because it's a, it's a great piece of work it's lengthy but it's very interesting and even though of course we disagree on certain points i think that your overall message goes in the same direction that I want to go in. And we're going to get back to that as we try to ent entangle everything. But um, I'm ready for any questions you might have or discussions. Okay, great. So, I, I mean, obviously, like you said, it's a long video, right? It was almost it's like separate parts. Um, it, are there specific points you would like to go into where you're like, okay, you, you strongly disagree or you strongly agree? Um, you know, I, I don't know your thoughts on it. So I'll kind of let you start off. Well, the thing where I agree is the importance of the discussion around determinism and fate. Where you make a point, you say that this is not a video to discourage people or to tell them to just give up because you might have bad genetics, but rather to accept it. And I think that this is the key point. What we disagree is going to be on the way towards the acceptance and then the result of that. Because I think we have different approaches. And as you pointed out, it might be because we have different experiences, right? If we were to be straight up, you might have worse genetics than I have for bodybuilding. So I might have a viewpoint where I have a much more positive view of the entire field because I've had more positive feedbacks coming to me because I had better results. And this also means that whenever I see someone who doesn't get those results, as you rightly pointed out, I'm going to have a tendency to try to tell them that it's because they don't work hard enough. Mm -hmm. and this is where you come in and you say, well, that's... That's nonsense, right? Just because you got the results working hard does not mean that someone else must get the same ones. Your genetics might have given you that extra edge. And for this, I agree 100%. The reason why I personally do that is because even though it might make me appear as the villain, I think that this is the necessary mindset where you have at some point to just disregard what we call genetics and just keep pushing forward. And if that takes sucking it up and accepting that even if you did everything you could in your power, it wasn't enough and you can still put it that extra inch. Even if it's not realistic, even if it's not something you want to hear, I think that this, this is what people need to hear. Because you feel like in that instance, people will end up at a better end result with that mindset? Yes. I think that when we discuss genetics, and this is one part of your video where I felt it was a little bit lacking, 
the, the cornerstone of everything is the mindset, right? It's, it's what you put in. Even if you have the best genetics in the world, if you don't put in the work, you're going to get nothing out of it. And I'm certain that many people have lived through that. Maybe you might have had a talent in the past where you were gifted, but for some reason you didn't really put efforts into it and you never got results that you should have gotten. I know that for me, I was a very uh, talented swimmer. I spoke about that on my channel hmm. and I crushed the other kids, crushed to the point that I stopped caring because I was so good. And then five years, six years later, I entered a swimming competition with no training, thinking I was the greatest swimmer on earth. And I got crushed. I got destroyed by everyone. I was the worst one. And this is when the discussion about genetics is interesting. I was top of the curve for genetics, number one at my pool. Five years later, all of the other kids that were lower than me in terms of genetics put in the work, and that work was enough to surpass me. And this is when I speak about the mindset. Now, of course, if two individuals have the same mindset and they put in the same amount of work and they have the same genetics, the guy with the better genetics is going to win 100 times. And I think this is the point where, of course, we agree. I don't want to appear as someone who denies genetics. Of course, they're very important. And this is where I think the unfairness that is perceived by many people enters. I watched your video. But most importantly, I looked at the comments because I think the comments are a good reflection of the way people took the video in. And I saw many people who expressed that frustration of saying, well, I work hard, but I'm being outdone by people who do like have the work. How is that fair? And the answer is it's not fair. Mm -hmm. Who told you that it was supposed to be fair? It's right. the inherent unfairness of life and genetics that I'm certain you agree with, but that I like to remind people being a little bit mean sometimes because once you get that and that mindset is in, your genetics stop mattering, in my opinion. So a couple of examples there that I think of myself. Uh, one, it's funny you mentioned swimming. So my freshman year of high school, I was on the swim team and I had swam most of my life just, you know, casually. And so they had different lanes and whatnot. And in my lane, I was the fastest swimmer. So I remember this kid specifically saying, well, you go ahead, you're the fastest. But he was new. And I could literally just tell and watch. I was like, this kid is going to be faster than me by the end of the season because he picked it up so quickly. And, and lo and behold, he was right. I mean, it was just like that talent there. Um, and, and I said to my like to some people before and I thought to myself, because I was so obsessive and I put so much into it and looking around me, I did more than everybody else. If I had amazing results, I know myself enough to know I would have been that guy saying it's because I work harder than you. You guys don't try as hard as me. Like I know I would have, right? It was only because I put in the work and it wasn't happening that I was like, oh, wait a minute. There's There's got to be something else going on here, you know? Um, so just to say, I, I do understand the people who have this great, you know, this great talent or something where they're almost oblivious to how much that helps them until, and, and this is something I was thinking about with you too, uh, until they're either around a huge cohort of like-minded individuals or they train a lot of people. So like uh, people who follow wrestling, um, like Olympic wrestling and whatnot, like J Jordan Burroughs is, is often thought to be the best wrestler ever. And, you know, or one of the best, I'll say. And he was talking about how he would go to this Olympic training camp and he would see people working just as hard as him. And it just wasn't coming to them, right? But you've mentioned yourself, you don't coach people. And, and you've also mentioned that in France, there's not like a big cohort of people like you. You're, you're kind of an outlier in this sense. So I could more so see that mindset where, okay, if you're not coaching people and you're kind of, at least I believe from our last podcast, you mentioned you're almost like a hermit. It's like you work, you have your relationship and you work out, right? And that, that's most of your life. 
you're kind of in this bubble where you don't see maybe the, the common person so much. You think that's a, a fair perspective? I think it's 100% fair. And the reason why, and I've never shared that before, but the reason why I don't coach is because times and times again, I've had people when I was a, a young kid evolving and putting on muscle who approached me to learn the secret. They wanted to know how I was doing it. And whenever I tried to take them under my wing and be like, okay, train with me, I'm going to show you my ways. Every single time they lasted two weeks. Mm -hmm. And after that, they tapped out. And this is when my viewpoint started to develop because I saw that these people didn't have bad genetics because how could they have known? They, they never actually lasted. What I saw instead is that they lacked the mindset. So I never had enough length of time to be able to say, okay, this kid is doing just everything I tell him to do, but he's just not getting the result. And he, in this case, I cannot blame him. I never got to that point. But I think, and this goes back to what you said to open your segment, that it turned me into one of two types of characters. There is the type that is going to constantly say that it's all about hard work, all about your responsibility. Genetics are not that important. And then you have the other type. And the other type is not you. It's other people on YouTube Fitness. And I'm sure that you're going to have names that are going to pop in your head as I explain it. You have some people on this platform who have integrated the idea that they have amazing genetics and I think because it makes them feel better, they keep spouting it out. But if you look at the result, what it does is it makes other people want to work less because they tell them, well, I mean, I look like this because I have good genetics. You will never look like this. So why do you even bother? I'm the type that will tell you, well, I have average genetics. So why don't you try to put in the work? Maybe, maybe I'm a liar. Maybe I'm completely delusional. I'm not saying that's not the case, but look at the result. I think that the intention doesn't matter here. The result is... I'm going to have people who are going to get fired up and say, okay, he's saying that he's average. So if I work, I'm going to get the same body. Worst case scenario, they don't, but at least they put in the work, they develop the mindset. I do not want to be the type of person that discourages people. And this is what I liked about your video, by the way. It opened my eyes to the fact that some people do not respond, respond positively to that type of tough love because it makes them feel bad. It frustrate, frustrates them. And therefore, in this case, and we're going to talk about that later, I have notes about that, there might be a better pedagogical approach so that we can get them to that point without shaming them about the lack of results that, as you said, might just be down to genetics. Yeah. And it really, you almost get into a philosophical question there of, you know, first, like what is accurate and then what do we portray for the greater good? Right. And, and it, it's, it's tough. Like I, I've heard a couple of people talk about this with religion and, and they'll say, well, you know, I behave as if this is true because if I don't like, I think society will be better if we act like this is the case. Right. And so the, even if they potentially do not believe that they think that, you know, the net result is better. And it's interesting, you know, how important is truth and, and veracity versus the outcome, uh, you know, which obviously could be many podcasts of the topic. So. I mean, if, if you start bring up philosophy with me, it's it's going to get it's going to get ugly. But what you just said, I think, is absolutely true. I, I'm someone who, and I know that some religious people don't like to hear it, have a, a utilitarian approach to religion. In my opinion, whether it's the word of God or not does not matter. The end result matters, the consequences. So if you have a religion that appears silly at first, but the concepts and the precepts make people behave properly and creates good and healthy societies. It's a good religion. It's serving its role. It's helping create a structure to further human life. I think about the I think about it the same way on my channel. I try to be honest, and I have a tough time lying to start with because I'm a terrible liar. 
but sometimes you have that dilemma of thinking, okay, this is the truth, but the truth is going to make people despair. And this is a, a lie, it's a white lie, but it's going to get them to try. And as they try, the lie might actually become a truth. That's sort of the dilemma with genetics is maybe I'm not correct when I say that I'm average and everyone will get, get good results if they try. But at least I know that a bulk of them will look better. They might not look like me, but they will look better. So they'll act on it. Whereas if I just discourage them, they'll do nothing. And how do you weigh that against the potential harm of those who maybe have a harder time or are, you know, maybe they come across negative comments and things like that, that they don't know what they're doing slash they're not trying hard enough when truly they're putting in a lot of work? Well, this is when my wicked side sort of comes to light. And it's a part of the video that made me smile because you put an extract of me saying that if you don't have a good physique, it's because you don't work out enough. Yeah. I can't go back on that because that's what I believe. Deep down, it's what I will always tell people. I understand that it, it, it pisses people off because when you have some dude with a six pack at 210 who tells you, well, you just don't work out enough, kid, and you've been trying for as long as me and you don't have that, it's no one likes to hear it. No one. Just like I wouldn't like it when, if someone approached me about like math, for example, I'm horrible at math and I've been trying to be better and they're a genius at math. Like I've met many people who were geniuses at math and some of them told me, well, it's easy. Look, it's easy. And they would show me like all of these calculus. I was like, my brain doesn't get it. I don't get it. And I understand that, fi that feeling of frustration. But I think that this is a, a form of filter because as you come to understand, I think that mindset trumps genetics. So you're born with your genetics, you can't control that. But what you can control is the mindset. So what I do when I say things like this is I filter for mindset. There are two types of reaction. There are people who are going to say, okay, asshole, I'm going to prove you. Like I'm going to do whatever I can and I'm going to put as much work as possible. Even though I've done so much and I've already put in so much effort, I can do more. And then there are the other ones that are just discouraged by the discourse. And in my opinion, if I can break your spirit down with these words, you don't want it hard enough. It's the mindset that's lacking. So you just have to try harder. I understand that it's it's frustrating to hear, but in life, that's just the way to go. You're, you're not getting it, try harder. Because the other thing is what? Just giving up. And I think you touched that at the end of your video and I liked it. You explained that understanding your limitations was not put in place to accept them, but to find a way around them. And I think this is when both our messages join together is that once you understand that your flows are your flows and can potentially be fixed with more work, it allows you to one, free yourself from the shame because we all have flows. That's okay. Your genetics can just be seen as that. And two, it also gives you some space to try to work on them with a clear mind and a cold heart without being so invested emotionally because genetics are a big emotional topic on YouTube, right? You, you see the amount of people who say, oh, I have terrible genetics and you have the people who brag about it. Genetics are part of you. And as a man, it sucks to believe that you're like bottom 20%. For something that you love, on top of that, you think, wow, so many other people are going to get in results for something that I love and I put in so many efforts in and it, it breaks your heart. We've all been there before. And I think that once you can get rid of that heartbreak, you are going to be much better off. You spoke about mental health at the end of your video. It's a big focus of mine as well. It's helping the mental health of people. Yeah. So I guess in terms of the, so like you acknowledge, okay, so for yourself, maybe it's like the math, right? Would, would be one example. Is it correct to say that you acknowledge that 
your statement of if you don't look good, it's because you're not trying hard enough is technically inaccurate, but you still think it's a good message to put out globally. Yes. In terms of, of comparisons, right? You might be working just as hard as the next guy and you don't get the results. So in this case, it's not that you don't try hard enough compared to him. Is that in a vacuum compared to you, you don't try hard enough. That's sort of the message. And it's, it's one of the biggest points of contention that I have with your video is that it's most of your arguments exist because you compare yourself to others. It's a one plus one scenario. But for me, that's not what bodybuilding is. And I know it goes against everything that we think about nowadays because for most people, bodybuilding is stepping on stage. So of course, you're comparing yourself to other people. But this brings bodybuilding back to the status of a sport. And to me, it's not a sport. It's an art. A painting doesn't need to be compared to another painting to be beautiful. And a painter is not going to look at how another painter paints or his progression to decide whether or not he's a good artist. It's the expression of the self. This is why I don't step on stage. I'm not interested in competing as is. It's because it's me against me. So many people laugh at this because they think it's not realistic and they think it's not life because life is a competition. I agree, but the development of yourself and your body might be the one part of your life where you can take away from the rat race and just be you. And this is when the comparison stops. And if the comparison stops, genetics really stop mattering because you are stuck with yours and you stop caring about others and suddenly you're much happier. Yeah, I think the... And again, I would say that there are plenty of points here. I agree with you on. I'm just, you know, almost playing devil's advocate. But I would say I had a video out that maybe a year ago or so saying, like, you know, people say don't compare to others or just focus on yourself. And I've always thought that that was maybe theoretically sound. However, practically, it doesn't pan out in the real world in most cases because you can go down a few levels with it, but at some point, almost everything is a comparison, right? When you are hired for a job, you were compared to others. When people choose a coach, they're comparing you to others. I would argue even, for instance, your physique, you know, if you said like you, you don't compare yourself too much to others or you, you know, you don't coach and you're, you're kind of isolated. At some point, you had goals that likely were influenced by other people, right? Even if it was just like, what is possible, like, with human genetics, what can we achieve? You had people who you maybe looked up to, or maybe it was comics or, you know, whatever. Ultimately, I, I don't think we can not compare to others. Now, I, I think it is good to not hyper-focus on it. And to if you can get to a point where you're viewing your own progress, I do actually believe that that is healthier. Uh, I just think in the vast majority of cases, you know, we do kind of look at where within a certain, you know, topic, you know, for instance, maybe it, you don't care at all about your physique but you're an avid tennis player. Well, how do I compare to this person? I'm literally competing against them. Where do I rank in this scale? I, I think a lot of life is comparisons. In this case, you're right. Absolutely. But I think it's because we have been pushed to that. And now we're getting into a, a sociological discussion, but mm -hmm. there are profit-driven incentives to comparison because that's what capitalism is. It's the, the best, the biggest, the one that is the most performant that is going to get the price. That's sort of life. In my opinion, that's the way it functions. You're absolutely correct on that. But my issue is that the things you mentioned, for example, like getting a coach, you're getting the coach with the best physique. So the coach has an incentive to have the best physique to get the most money as possible. This profit-driven mindset has been implanted into fitness, 
Whereas if you look at back in the days, it wasn't really the case. And back in the days, I mean, 100 years ago. So there is clearly something that happened with social media. And I think this is, this is my pet theory, and I, I verified it with myself, that if you take, let's do the type of experiment that you like, you take 100 people and you have them train, and you take another group of 100 people and you have them train, if the second group is not exposed to social media, in my opinion, they would get better results. And also their mental health would be much better because comparison is the thief of joy one, but it's also the thief of results because you start to overthink, you start to follow this guy's methods and this guy's methods. Then you look at his body and you feel bad about yourself. We see that with the new generation of kids entering into fitness right now where they're completely lost. And I don't think they're going to get very far because every single influencer is trying to gain their attention to try and get more profit. So it's a form of pollution in a sense. This is why the comparison is so prevalent nowadays. It's because you open Instagram, you see 100 physiques. And th that is artificial. You don't have to open Instagram. You don't have to look at these bodies. So this is when I disagree with you. Yes, comparison is going to happen in life, but we can drastically reduce the amount of times it occurs. It's just something that we have to willingly choose. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I would say I think the second group would get better results, maybe. Um, I think depending on who you followed, right? Like you can make an argument of if you kind of vet who you follow, you're going to get, you know, good sources of information. But I, I would agree in most cases, you're going to have a, a better, you know, you're going to have better mental health just because, I mean, and that's not just shown, you know, maybe with your own experiment. And there's absolutely data on this showing that increased social media use is correlated with increased anxiety and depression. So um, I, I would agree with that. And I, and I think it's, you know, you kind of forget what the real world is like. Like I was on a, a cruise recently with a friend of mine. We've both been lifting for a long time and, you know, we're kind of looking around and we're like, all right, we're probably top 10 people on this entire cruise, you know, a cruise of like 5,000 people. Uh, but on social media, it's like, I don't know, maybe 50th percentile of naturals. You know, it, it's just, uh, it's a very different world for sure. Yeah. And this is why when you, when you talk percentages, right, we can discuss bottom or top tier genetics as much as we want, but we have to keep in mind one thing. There's two graphs. There is YouTube fitness graph and social media graph where it's highly inflated, right? And this is why I say I'm average. I'm average compared to other people who have been lifting as long as I am and who are top genetics. And then you have the normal population. And in the normal population, even if you're bottom 20% genetics for muscle building, if you've been training 10 years, you're top 1% best physics every single time, maybe even higher. And every time you go out, you verify it. And I think this is important to, to just exit the virtual space. I personally went camping a month ago. People were staring at me on the beach because no one was coming even close to my physique. And I think that if more people lifted, it wouldn't have happened. Or the men would have been present and been just as big, maybe 190 instead of 210. Maybe some guys would be 230. So I would have been in a perfect world where everyone trains for 10 years, average. But because no one trains, you have such a leg up. This is why, again, young people, people who struggle with all of this genetic and self-image, need to stop looking at social media. In real life, you're jacked. Right? You have 15 inches arms with a vein, you have a little bit of shoulders and abs, you're jacked. The, the rest, the outliers, the freaks with the massive biceps, they're freaks for a reason. It's because they're like at the end of the graph. And it's something that you brought up, and I have my notes, so I'm going to look at it. At some point, you brought up the fact that uh, I said that the outliers must be ignored because they're the elite. 
And you said that this made no sense because it's not like the graph is normal people, normal people, normal people, and then just elites at the end. It's a graph. So the genetics go up like this and the distribution goes up. And some people are not technically elite, but they're like top 70%, etc. So they still have great genetics, much better than a guy who's bottom 20%. I think that in this case, my argument was not, uh, not well structured by myself. And this is why it wasn't received properly. What I say is not that... You must ignore the elite because they're the elite, they're the outliers, and the rest were just normal people. No, it's that they represent an extreme that is just a comparison that you're going to have with people who rise to the top. Uh, in the comments, I saw people saying that every time an influencer got big in terms of following, it was also because he, has a, he had a great physique. So the cream rises to the top. And the guy was, in a sense, correct, meaning that People with good physics are going to get more visibility. But guess what that means? It means that your view is skewed because all of the guys you follow tend to be big. It, it doesn't mean that in this case, it's just the top freaks that make it, is that there is going to be an inflation of size on this platform. Then you compare yourself to that and now you don't know where you stand anymore. And then there's also the fact that you don't really know how much time the guy has put in. So for example, someone looks at me and says, well, I'll never look like it. Maybe, maybe not. I've been training 15 years. This is, this is the portion where I'm going to tell people I'm average. Because in my opinion, if you train 15 years, there is a chance, a chance that you might look close to me. And even if you don't, you'll still have put in your 15 years. It's good for your mental health, for your health. So beyond the potential sadness that you will feel at not getting the same result, which only comes from, again, comparison, why are you trying to get the same thing as me? It should be all good. It should be all positive. Yeah, and, and you know, since that video, not not too many comments, but a couple of comments, and I even made a reference in that video itself, was that, you know, I have even gotten some people saying, well, you know, for me to say I'm average is not fair, because they're, you know, over here, and, you know, I'm this and that, um, which it, it is obviously impossible to know for sure, because the actual percentage of people who try as hard as we have is just so small, right? I mean, I, I think back to my college years and I had at the time like around a 500 pound deadlift and, and we know that that's really not that impressive in, in like the YouTube world really at all um, but like it was actually like I talked about topic in my gym my deadlift because people didn't really deadlift it. now now a little more I mean we're going back almost 10 years but um, I was one of the only people deadlifting so the only like the people would try maybe they put on 315 and I'm over here doing like four or five for 12 14 reps and that was unusual but it's but then you look at my bench and it was totally middle of the road there because everybody bench presses, right? So it's a lot harder to have the best bench than it is to have the best deadlift. And, and, and so likewise, just in terms of physique, yeah, we, we don't know. You know, when I, I just actually made this comment to somebody this morning who, who made a comment about me not being average. And I said, well, look, among all of my friends who are 5'10 to 6'2 white males, my response seems about the same. You know what I mean? That's what I say. You know, there, some are a little bit smaller, some are a little bit bigger, stronger, weaker, but but we're all within a pretty small territory there. Um, and, and I do see some outliers, but that's why I would say I feel relatively average. But even that could be a skewed bias because we were all athletes, right? You, you know, so we, we stayed in these physical endeavors. You know, I would imagine that if you took 100 people who were in band and theater, like, you know, maybe they wouldn't have as good of results, right? Because they kind of gravitated towards that. But we can't, we just can't know it. And this also brings up the topic of epigenetics. 
the idea that your genetics evolve and that the formative years of your youth are also very important because it's been shown that people who've been starting to train very young, like when they're in their teens, for example, get much better results. Is it because from the start and their birth, they had better genetics? No, not necessarily. It's because their genetics changed, quote unquote, because they started training so early. And this is also the reason why I insist on the fact that genetics are not a monolith. It's not set in stone. It's not you're, you're born and therefore the second you're born, you know that your max is going to be 170 lean, right? That's it. Once you're 170, your body says, okay, no more. You're, you're stopped there. I say that it sounds silly, but many people, that's how they think. Mm -hmm. They talk about a natural limit, like it's a war. That doesn't exist. And this is why guys like me or, or Geoff, Geoff Everett Scofield, we say things that piss people off. Like, oh yeah, the more you train, the more you grow and the more you realize that your genetics don't really mean anything. And people say, well, it's because you're big. Yeah, but that's how we got there. He was 170. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking for himself. Maybe he's going to correct me in the comments. I, I know that he was at some point 170-ish and he didn't really look impressive. And back then he thought he had maxed out his genetics. And look at him now. He's like twice the size of the average guy in China. I'm sure that he, people look yeah. at him like he's an ogre, right? right? I was the same. When I was 180-ish, I was considering taking steroids. Because I thought I had reached my natural limit. I was plateauing. I couldn't get any, any further. Right now, I'm leaner than I was back then, 30 pounds heavier. Took me years, but I got there. And it's because my mindset wasn't proper. And with mindset also goes intellect. I think that, and this is another one that is going to make people rage, most people are not limited by their physical capabilities. They're limited by their intellectual abilities. They refuse to learn how to program. They refuse to modify their ways. They say, well... Nothing worked. And then I, I sit down with them. And I'm like, okay, have you tried this? And I'm like, no. Then, then what are you talking about? I, sometimes you meet people and you're wondering what goes through their heads. Like people who don't have abs and they tell you, I've tried everything. And you say, have you tried isolating your abs? And they say, no. Well, you, you haven't even tried the first thing. What are you talking about? <laughs> so this is, this is not proper. And this is the majority of people. When someone like you says it, I receive it. Because I believe you. I know you've been hardcore. I know you've put in the work. So maybe you are the example of someone who now can say, I am limited by my genetics. My progression is limited by my genetics. That's receivable. But the average amount of the, the vast majority of people, until you've put in your 10 years, don't, don't talk about genetics. It's just not proper. And it's what I say times and times again, because it's an argument of authority. Almost no one trains 10 years. No one. People give up all the time or they tell you, oh, I've been training for 10 years, but it was two months there, two months here. That's not, that's not training. That's not regular. That's not consistent. Once I think the majority of the population put in their 10 years, we'll find that magically the average genetic has improved and the curve is going to go up because people are going to see what their body is capable of. So everything I say in terms of genetics is to push people in that direction. Stop thinking so much, get out of your head and put in the work. Yeah. And, and I do agree. I believe I even said this in the video is that for me, I, like I know how unusual my situation is. And, and so it's to, if I just had a group of the general population, maybe my video should be heard by 5% of them. And even if I take the people who watched my video, maybe it should be heard by, I don't know, half of them. Like, like most people, it is going to be not that and I'll get back to this in a second. I think the knowledge about the influence of genetics can still be important, but it's just so rare that people have like this, this idea that you're done after four or five years, I, I just think it is, is absolutely harmful and, and ridiculous. And, you know, like I look at like my brother when he started lifting and 
he, within about four years, he was getting pretty close to me. And, and I would say my brother has better athletic genetics and, and probably just overall physique wise, he could have surpassed me if he stuck with it. Um, but you know, it, it, things slowed down after four to five years, but it's like, I was sure he could keep going. And even my friend I mentioned who was on the cruise with me, um, you know, I definitely respect his work ethic a lot. But one thing I think he's finally going to do is I told him like, you've never done a legitimate bulk. You've never pushed past your comfort zone. So as impressive as he is, it's like, just commit to a 20 plus pound weight gain. Cause he's naturally a lean guy and see where you're at. You, even though it's been 10 years or whatever, you still haven't turned over every stone. And I, and I think most people have not. So I, I do agree with what you're saying there. Yeah. And this, this is where I join you in the frustration because I have met people who had better genetics than me who were freaks of nature. And every time when I see these people, my instinct as someone who loves human potential is to try to get them to push. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that you've tried and I'm sure that you've seen the same result. They don't want to. And why do they not, they not want to? Well, it's because everything comes so easy to them. I've met dudes who, and this is a story I spoke about on my, on my channel. I used to have a roommate who was from Africa and his diet was complete garbage. He would eat oily things all the time, chips. He had no diet plan. He didn't cook at proteins. It was all over the place. He trained 45 minutes once a week, once or twice a week, only trained in summer because he, he hated winter. It was too cold. And the guy had a better physique than me when I've been training for six, seven years. So first reaction is, why did I do to God to deserve this? Why is this guy blessed with these genetics? The thing that made me laugh the most is he had an app on his phone and it was a randomizer and he would click on it and it would tell him what to do for the day. He didn't even have a program. He mm. let an AI decide what he did for the day. And he was better than me. He was leaner. He was bigger. He was more endurance. He was stronger than me. At this point, you have two choices. You say, well, I'm quitting. What's the point? Or you think, well, that guy is not me. His life has no incidence on me. So I keep going. And the funny thing is that I'm still in contact with him. And nowadays, I dwarf him. He's yeah. still 180. I'm much bigger than him. I'm leaner than him. I'm stronger than him. Why? I think it's because genetics can be a blessing. It's a blessing from birth, but it's also a curse. Maybe someone like you, if you had slightly better genetics, you would have gotten things too easy and you would have quit. And this is to sort of counter, to counter a point that you bring up in your argument that I think is a great point that I don't disagree with. It's the positive feedback loop. This idea that people stick to it, stick to things in general, because they're good at it. And they get feedback from people and from the world in reality that is gratifying. And because we love gratifying things, we keep going. So you end up with people who are going to be really good and they get better and better and better. I think that the counter argument is what I just said. Sometimes when things come too easy to you, it's not interesting anymore, so you quit. And then you have guys like you and like me, I would include myself in that, that don't get the best results from the start. And because of it, we want to insist because we were stubborn. So we enter on into this mindset of, I will get it. I don't care what it takes. And the reason why I personally say that I have average genetics like you do is because you spoke about the fact that your progress was very linear and that you saw many people around you who exploded in size. And of course, we see that on YouTube all the time. The guys who gained 25 pounds of lean mass in a year. It wasn't me. I have a transformation video on my channel for people interested. I gained 10 pounds a year. For the first seven, eight years, it was slow. And actually, when I saw your pictures, it looked like my pictures. The only difference is that you're slightly taller than me and you're lankier. You have longer limbs, whereas I'm very stocky. I'm a little bit 
built like a tank, have very narrow shoulders. So I look bigger than you, but our progression was very similar for the first years. And then something happened. And that something for my case was a book. Well, what you said that some people, and I don't know if it's magic, I've discussed that on my channel all the time, but sometimes it seems that a crazy book that is completely un unplanned and puts you into way too much of a fatty zone unlocks something. Now, I don't say that to encourage people to do the book. It's something I've noticed. I think that you can still get the same results with a slow book, something relative. But if there is a difference between you and me, it's this, it's this time period. Now, does it mean that maybe at this point, my genetics unlock themselves? I don't know. It's not a discussion that's worthy to have because it's a comparison. But this is to bring it back to the idea of potential and the difference between individuals. That's at the end of the day, it's going to be different from person to person and your journey is going to be different. But guys like us who didn't have the best results at the start might actually have to thank their genetics because it's what kept us in the game. Yeah, yeah, a couple points there for sure. Um, so just back to, it was your roommate, you said? Was yeah. A, yeah, where in Africa was he from? Nigeria. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to guess. So I also had a Nigerian roommate uh, and, and Greg Knuckles also told a story about a hyperresponder, also Nigerian. Uh, and basically this guy in college would just lift like once or twice a week, 200 with abs, probably 510, you know, repping 315. Uh, it, it's yeah, like it definitely seems to be that corner of the world is where a lot of freaks come from. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. So, uh, but going back to as far as like, maybe it's better to start lower. I've said that many times, you know, and not just with lifting. Um, if it came easier to me, I have a very hard time accepting that a goal I set is not going to be hit like to an obsessive degree. And I, I can only think of a handful ever that I've not hit. And it really bothered me that it didn't hit. Um, and so because of that, it's like, well, I had to put more effort in. And when you put more effort in both physically, but also psychologically, you are having a greater investment into this thing and you start to care more and more and more and becomes this cycle. And so even like socially, like I was a pretty socially awkward kid and that got me to be annoyed by that. You know, I did not like that aspect. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to try. And I started going out to more parties and I started talking. Eventually I became somebody who everywhere we went, like I just knew people and I was talking to people, but it's because I started below what I would consider average. And I worked hard to increase that aspect. So um, I, I think that can apply to a lot of things. I always wonder, what is it that leads somebody who, you know, comes naturally to, to either take off with it, or to say they don't care, because we can see that with with certain things, some people who are just naturally good looking, you see them 10, 20 years later, and it's just like this person, like what happened, because they never had to try. Right. And, and again, the lifting example, sometimes it's an intelligence example. And then other people, it's like they they start to care so much more and they get that positive feedback loop. And these are the best athletes in the world or the supermodels or, you, you know, the people who are willing like Nobel prizes and stuff. And I don't know what causes that difference, but it is interesting to see the two routes. If I were to emit a theory, I would say it's the difference between external and internal motivation. I've met people who are extremely gifted and they just wasted it all. And it's interesting because just recently to prepare for this interview, I was reading a study about child prodigies and the vast majority of them crash and burn. 
By the time they're in their 20s, all of that talent is for nothing. It goes down the drain. And it's because they were pushed by their parents. They were pushed by the environment, but they didn't want to do that. They might have been talented at violin, but they did not like violin. And therefore, the second they can get rid of that thing and the instrument, they stop playing. And it was actually quite grim because it also showed that people who, uh, kids who entered gifted child programs had a much higher rate for suicide. And it's because humans like to do things that they like to do. We don't like to be told what to do. So some, for some people, that talent is going to be a curse because they think, okay, well, I can't just squander it, so I have to use it. So they use it, but the fire is never there. They force themselves. And these are the people who won't make it. And then you have the, the world champions, the guys with the world record. They have the mix of two things. They have the genetics and they have the mindset. They have the love for it. And these are the monsters. These you can touch. Right? It's not even interesting to compare yourself to them. You're just going to get bummed out because you might just have one. You might just have the mindset. But in this case, it's best to have the mindset and not the genetics rather than the genetics and not the mindset. Yeah, it's really, you know, not to get too off topic, but it is such a fascinating topic to me. I, I When I was in high school, I played tennis as well. And there was this like prodigy who came up as a freshman. He was easily the best guy on the team. And he didn't even play in college. Like he, I don't know if he was like forced to do it and he just stopped liking it. Uh, I knew another guy who high level swimmer, like swam against Michael Phelps. And, and when, and now he's a, a dentist like me and he just, he said he never wants to swim again. Like he just, you know, so it's just very interesting, but even, even among the top athletes, like um, Phelps has talked about how he had considered suicide and he was depressed and, you know, so I guess you never know how much they like it versus like, this is just what I do. But it, I mean, the sports psychology aspect is very interesting. Yeah. And the, the discussion about determinism now becomes more interesting because in your video, you mostly spoke about it in terms of genetics and in terms of biology rather. And this is the part where I think I can offer some nuance to the video because biology is important, but the cultural aspects are also just as important. The study about swimmers that you just referenced, I read as well. And it shows that the the vast majority of swimmers, especially the ones that get medals, stop swimming afterwards. And it's not just that. The view of a swimming pool makes them sick. Mm. I think that this is something that people need to remember. If you love to lift, understand that if you, were, if you had been gifted for it, you could have gotten to a point where you, you would have started to detest the things that bring you joy in the past. I know it happened to me with certain sports, like swimming. I was so good that I was like, eh. I don't care anymore. And I think it saved me because if I stuck to it, I would have gotten really good and I couldn't enjoy it anymore. Nowadays, when there's water, I jump on it. I love it because it's, 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 it's something that I don't do professionally. Many people are going to be hobbyists in lifting. That's fine. That's your hobby. That's what brings you joy. So maybe you don't get the best results, but think about the other part. Think about all of the happiness that it brings you. Think about it should make it better in this case. And then to go back to the cultural thing, Something that I've said in the past in my, on my channel is the fact that the natural limit is not a biological limitation, it's a cultural limitation. It's something that is going to come mostly from the environment because it's the people around you that dictate the limit, not you. And this verifies because if you go to certain countries like France, for example, as I said in the past, uh, France is, is a country full of whims. And therefore, the average man is a wimp. And therefore, their ideas of what they can accomplish is very low. Go to an average French gym, look at the physics. People top out at 160, 170. Like the, the biggest guys of the gym, like the average, the top dogs, 160, 170. Go to France, uh, go to the US, and you will find people at 200 pounds easy. 
Is it because there's a better genetic potential in the US? No, it's the same people. They're Europeans. They came from Europe 400 years ago. The difference is the mentality is that they push further. That's a difference of 30 pounds on average. This is when I say that your mindset truly is the most important because your genetics is a glass ceiling. You can break it first and foremost, but most people don't even come close to it. And as you said, some people say, oh, five years is all you need. Not even close. Maybe 20 years. And even that, I'm still not 100% on it because I think that the ceiling keeps rising as your potential keeps rising. Yeah, yeah. Do you think there's anything to be said for Like I would imagine, given your stance on performance-enhancing drugs, you would think one of the many issues with them is that it can give people a false sense of confidence in one's knowledge. So for example, trainers and whatnot, they're just on performance-enhancing drugs. Oh, well, I just assume that they know what they're talking about, right? I think that's understandable to have that view. I would argue that, you know, I've said several times here, I do think my video was more for the people who are like near their genetic potential, right? Or have been doing this for a very long time. But I would argue that the knowledge of the importance of genetics can be helpful for that same reason. We've seen many trainers and whatnot who are, who are gifted and often, especially general population will just say, oh, well, look at this person or, and I've, I've heard many times somebody says, oh, well, my trainer's jacked or this or that. I would put the same argument forth that if you truly believe that it's just hard work there, you may be, you know, led astray compared to somebody who maybe actually does have more knowledge. This is a point where I'm going to, again, bring it back to what I perceive my genetics to be like. I think I give good advice because I'm someone who struggled. I think you're in the same position. It's dangerous to take advice from the freaks. I've uh, seen many people many times who started to deadlift and in two years, they deadlifted 600 pounds. You might not want to take advice from that guy because it came to him naturally. So maybe his methods might work, but because of the genetic proponent of the method, you don't have that. So it's not going to function. And that's counterintuitive because as you said, people judge based on looks. Like let's not kill ourselves. People don't listen to arguments. I know that for a fact. And what many people on my channel, they listen to me because I'm big. That's it. Whatever I say goes and they're not going to use their critical thinking skills. I try to correct that as much as possible, but for some people, it's just not going to be that. For them, fitness is the external envelope and that's it. These are the people who, and I'm sure that many people are going to back me up on this, people who are natural on this platform, will come to your comment and say, well, you say this guy's methods suck, but he's bigger than you. So I'm going to listen to him. This is the, as we say in French, le degré zéro de l'intelligence. Zero intelligence. But that's some people and for these people, of course, they're going to be led astray. These are the people, and I used to be one of them 10 years ago, who are going to listen to pro bodybuilders because, well, they're the, they're the biggest. So their methods must be the best. And that's nonsense. And this is also why I think steroids did a number on us. And I think that the reason why genetics, the topic, is poison nowadays is because of these guys. One, they completely inflated the metrics, meaning that someone like me, who has put in 15 years, will be dwarfed by a kid who's been doing PDs for three years. So the end of the graph is now full of people who shouldn't be there because they got there via drugs, but they pull the entire spectrum towards them because they get the most attention. So it makes, it bumps people out and it gives people body dysmorphia. And then on top of that, they get most of the attention. They give bad advice, meaning that people who are natural get no result. Meaning these people start to think they have bad genetics because their environment is poisoned, it's, it's polluted. And now you see the toxic loop. This is why people are so down on genetics. It's because they take advice from that big guy and they, they're small, they're small forever. And that big guy profits from that. There's 
even the question of whether or not they do it on purpose to keep, to keep people small. But this is why you have that pool of people who talk about genetics as this curse, as this thing that they cannot do without. And this is when I think the cycle needs to be broken. And to remind people that this topic of genetics is not needed, it was brought on the table. And if we're going to talk about it, we need to talk about it from a natural standpoint, the way you attempted to do. So how would people be able to determine, you know, they're looking for a coach or maybe they're going to a gym. How would the person even know, well, I shouldn't listen to this person because he's a freak versus I should listen to this person because he's been really grinding and, and he's gotten here, you know, at a, at a moderate rate. And even then, like I said in the video, you know, what if that person is 85th percentile? Is that a, a freak, you know, or is it only 95th percentile that's a freak? You know, how does that person distinguish between who to listen to and who not to? So now it's it's a, an airy question because it's some detective work, in my opinion. What I like to look at is progression. You know, there's many Nadia or not videos and people say, oh, if, if this happens and he's on drugs or this or this. For the most part, these are nonsense. One thing that I think is a good metric to look at, however, is speed of progression and progression rate and also whether the progression stops and yo-yos. Because for me, what I found extremely suspicious is kids who blow up in size from 16 to 19 and then at 19, they're stuck there and their physique just does this regresses and goes up, progresses and goes up. That makes no sense. But if you go fast at the start, you look at the top powerlifters, no one goes from a 200-pound deadlift to 400-pound and then is not able to progress further than that. The, it's sort of like, it, it's, it's an allegory and maybe people are not going to get it, but it's like a bench press. If you explode off the chest with speed, the speed carries over to the rest of the movement and it makes the lockout easier. Imagine if someone did a bench press and they go like super fast from, from their chest to mid-range and then they'll stop and they can't go up anymore. You'd think, well, what is going on with you? Like, did gravity shift off? What is going on? This is a telltale sign. I think that if you have a guy who has been progressing slowly, who has been making mistakes, who has been in the game for a long time, and most importantly, who has the ability to be nuanced with his approach and bring back to something that you said that I agree with 100%, that we all speak from a place of experience, of personal experience, and this also means that people need to think of, about it when they receive the information, then it should be okay. Understand that, yeah, I speak from what I know. It might not apply to you 100%. And now there's the last piece of the puzzle, and it's the toughest one, and that's critical thinking skills. If you went to fitness without it, you're going to be in trouble. But in my opinion, you're a human being, right? You're 15, 16, maybe in your teens, you should have developed that earlier. It carries over to every aspect of life. Intelligence and the ability to judge situations is not just limited, right? It's not just you develop that in your ability to not be scammed on the internet and it somehow doesn't apply to not being scammed by a fitness influencer. No, it's, it goes everywhere. You need to be a little bit paranoid, but not too much because if you are, you're going to start thinking that everyone is on steroids. So it's a different balance to strike, but I have faith in people. I think that the average person is not that dumb. It's just that the environment doesn't encourage them to think for themselves because other people can, the inferences. Yeah, it's, when talking about like the truly average person, it, it's, yeah, I think people are definitely highly influenced, obviously, by a lot of, I mean, all of us, including myself, but it's hard to know, again, because I got into this so young. And so I was never, you know, like scanned by supplements or, or, you know, people's weird programs or anything like that. But part of me is like, oh, okay, well, that's because I had critical thinking skills. But I almost wonder, do I give myself too much credit there? Is it just because I started so young and I had, I just happened to have very good influences from the start. And so I learned, okay, like I'm hypercritical of everything. Any, anybody, anytime somebody 
even says something to me immediately in my mind, like, is that true? Let me actually look it up, you know, and things like that. Um, and, and I think that is a good way to go about things. Like you said, there's a point where it's too much and, you know, you're overly disagreeable, but uh, I do think it, it is very important. I try to give people the benefit of the doubt that maybe they, you know, they just heard the wrong thing. And, and I think you and I've been doing this for so long. Sometimes I'm sure we can forget what it was like to be completely new to it, you know, to just have no knowledge base at all. And you come in, you know, I think it's natural that you're going to look at maybe who looks the best and things like that, especially if you're a teenager. Yeah. And this is why personally, and it's sort of shooting ourselves in the foot because it's the bulk of our audiences, but I recommend people who get started to just get started. Do your thing. Okay, you're going to make mistakes. It's okay. We've all made mistakes. When I started training, I was curling chairs. I was doing push-ups in my bedroom. I did that for three years. And some people point out and say, well, that's not optimal. Yes, but it's never optimal when you get started. Who starts optimally? Like who starts playing chess and from the get-go, they're going to get all of these opening books. They're going to get all of that theory. I know people who do that. And nowadays it's the prevalent mindset in the chess community. And this is why these people never learn how to play. They don't know how to play because they've started with a structure. You do this, do this movement. And then I'm like, I'm like, okay, explain to me why you just moved your pawn. They're like, I don't know. The theory told me to do it. Mm. So you don't understand why you do things. It's the same with lifting. Why do you do this movement for this many reps? This guy told me, okay, but you don't understand. What are the chances it's going to be beneficial if you don't understand it? Chances are zero. So before you develop the body, you develop the mind, the ability to think for yourself a bit, and then you move on. We were privileged in that sense, which is funny because we lived in an age with much less information and we got benefits from that. Look at guys from 100 years ago, the old school strongmen. Some of these pictures I could show you right now. We go on the street, we show people, we color the pictures and we say, oh, it's from two years ago. What do you think? Steroids or natural? People would say, oh, steroids. Because they're, they're, they're freaky, they're massive, they have veins, they're lean, they have six packs. They, have, they had no information, none. There was not even a pamphlet on the street. They just did random things and they saw what worked and what didn't. And look at what it produced. I think that this generation is suffering from an influx of information and just too much thinking and not enough doing. So those guys from, let's say, like the 1920s, are, are these guys who in pictures, they're bigger than you, you would say? Some of them were. You, you had guys, and uh, I'm not the specialist. The specialist on this is uh, Atlas Paul Shrugged, for the people who know him. He's really invested in that type of, uh, of uh, discussion. But you had dudes who were like 240 at 6162. And you can say, well, that's a genetic freak. Okay, I accept that. But if you look at the average circus strongman from back, from back then, they were 180, 190 lean with yeah. veins, with, with abs. And then there's the discussion of, again, the positive feedback loop. loop the best make it. So, of course, we're going to only see the pictures of the ones that are jacked. They're not going to show you the pictures of the wimps. Yeah. That's possible. I, I, I accept that 100%. But I think that it's impossible to state that we as a generation are tougher than the men from back then. And I think that that toughness, that mental resilience was first and foremost the mindset. And if we can regain that mindset with the knowledge we have today of nutrition and training, we should be better. When I look at people who talk about natural limits, I feel ashamed because I look at our ancestors and I think, okay, 100 years ago, they were eating rocks and, and doing push-ups on trees and they looked like this. Even if they had better genetics than us, even then, we make up for it with the information. So we need to be at least bigger, at least. Yeah, I think if I, I imagine you would agree with this, if I had to imagine two societies and not just with lithium, but like, you know, the one example, they think that it is almost entirely 
predetermined of where you can achieve, you know, like financially, if this is what your parents had, this is what you're going to have physique wise, et cetera. And the other one completely thinks it is all based on hard work and it is completely up to you. Even though I don't believe that, I would still have to think that that is the better, more productive society. And, and you almost just have to accept that, hey, yeah, some percentage of people are going to be upset and, and, and maybe, you know, wrongly criticized. But it's almost like, you know, you know, have like the prison system or something. It's like, well, look, we're going to try to convict as many, you know, people who are actually guilty. And we do understand that in that some innocent people are going to be and there's some, you know, where you could be very lax and then you're not going to get as many guilty people and, you know, et cetera. But it's like you almost have to accept some level of error. And in those two examples, I would rather have it be that, hey, you are the one determining your fate. And, and I'm sure even for myself, I am much further financially, academically and physique wise by believing that I have, you know, the, the full jurisdiction over what's going to be accomplished, even though. I know that's not technically true. Yeah. So you just activated my trap card and you're getting me into, first off, I'm having a blast. Thank you for inviting me yeah. to, we're getting into the discussion of politics here. Yes. A society where personal responsibility is at the center of everything is going to produce better, more intelligent, excellent individuals. But we have moved away from that. And we have moved away from that because now we want equality in society, which is not technically a bad thing, but the way you're going to achieve it can make or break the system. And nowadays, the way we do it is we want everyone to make it, but to do that, we lower the standards and therefore we turn everyone mediocre. It's why the average person is average. It's, it's, it's not natural. It's not normal. It's because we don't strive anymore because you're told that it doesn't matter how much you do. It's all predetermined. And you, in your video, brought up the topic of academia, which I thought was very interesting because you compared your results as a scholar as compared to your results as a lifter. And you said you were a much better scholar. And you said that it was also mainly due to genetics because you got a better feedback loop. The second you started trying, everything started to fall into place. And that makes a ton of sense. But there is a certain uh, concept I want to bring up for the viewer right now and for you if you don't know it, and that's the Rosento effect or the Pygmalion effect. It's mostly known by the term Pygmalion effect. And this is the idea that the expectation of the teacher has a direct influence on the student's performance. So if you approach the student and you say, okay, you're limited, it's fine. We're going to make a program just for you. We're going to slow down the classroom just for you. The only thing you're doing is you're limiting that person because you took their ceiling down. Now it's going to become a self-defeating prophecy. You made them mediocre because you assumed they were. And on top of that, we, it's, it's brought back to the societal question of politics. The entirety of the classroom suffers from it because you lower the standards for everyone. I don't know if it was the case for you. I suffered in middle school and high school. I school less because the pace was so low. And it was low because there were three kids who were struggling and the entirety of the classroom had to match their pace because we needed to be equal. So we needed to match the mediocrity of these three kids and it turned everyone in the classroom mediocre because it, it sabotaged our potential. Whereas if you apply the Pygmalion effect in an opposite direction, you say, okay, your potential is infinite. You struggle now, but I believe in you. You can get there. I'm certain of it. Now you artificially raise the standard and the potential ceiling of the person and you get better results. This is a perfect society. Is it painful when you struggle, when you've been trying so hard, someone tells you, do more. Is it painful? Yes, it's frustrating, but this is for your own good. It's the acceptance of suffering for the excellence of the individual and then the collective. It has to be accepted. And this is the reason why I apply my strategies the way I apply them. 
I'm willing to break some bones if it means you're going to grow taller. Yeah, and you know, we could have another long discussion on, on academia and whatnot as well. But even to your point, even when there, there's studies showing this, when they had women specifically, so like, you know, they write their name and whatever, and when they have to mark, uh, like Asian, for example, they did better in math by just selecting that beforehand, by having attention drawn to it, or if they had to select woman versus man, they did worse in the math test just by bringing attention to it based on the stereotypes. So expectation, probably on the, on the professor, but also on like the self definitely has an influence there. I, I think if anything, it, it's tough when it comes to scholastics, because I actually feel worse for those people who are really behind than like in lifting, because with lifting, one thing I would say that's different than sports, like you could say, hey, you know, maybe you love basketball, but you know, you're short. So, hey, have, have you tried these other things that you're going to excel at? There's other options, right? And not to say that you shouldn't, let's say, play basketball, but I think you're, there, it, there is a benefit to potentially know when you're limited because I think you'll have more positive, net positive emotions throughout your life by going to something that you're better at. Whereas with lifting, even if you have like fifth percentile genetics, you should still be lifting for health. There's a lot of reasons that you should be lifting. So maybe you realize, okay, I'm not going to be a, a professional bodybuilder, but I do think everybody should lift, right? And that's just kind of a, a separate point. But it, you know, for somebody who is really struggling in school, and this goes back to like how important is the knowledge, I would never want to tell somebody, hey, you, you, you're just not that intelligent and there's nothing we can do about it. But I really feel for somebody, I think because I'm imagining kids in my head and, and I'm just imagining some like, you know, six-year-old who, who is just so sad because he or she can't keep up with other people. And that's a tough situation. You know, I, I think you and I probably disagree to some extent on the IQ literature. Uh, but in my opinion, it, it does, show, it pretty conclusively shows that there's a strong influence of genetics on IQ. And that's it's just a tough, it's a tough problem, you know, that I don't think there's an easy solution to it. Um, and then as a final point, definitely, when you look at bringing kids into a similar cohort, as far as success in school, definitely putting them in a more successful group will allow them to excel. And, and this is why people who are homeschooled, off, I mean, a couple of my patients homeschool their kids, and they're done in like two hours a day, because they're not having to wait for the lowest common denominator. It's like, okay, you get it? Good. Go, you know, have fun until the next day. Yeah. And now there's a bias of mine I must recognize because it clashes with some of your beliefs that I believe to be more factual than mine. Mine are more based on emotion. I'm a little bit of a bleeding heart when it comes to approaching human potential. Where you will never show me someone and say, that person is dumb and that's it. I'll say, no, no, no. I'm sure that we can find a way to get that person to be smarter. But I recognize that our ceilings are not at the same level. And this is when I, I accept that IQ is valid in the sense that not everyone can have 170 IQ. Right? That's, that's unreasonable to assume. All right? the, the, some genetic freaks can get there. But what I think with IQ is that you're born with a range. You're not born 60 IQ. You're sure. born with from 60 to 95. Okay, mm -hmm. And then the environment is going to determine where you end up. I think that if the environment is maxed out, you will find that most people are smarter than they think they are. And on top of that, I think that the 
type of methods applied to the kid makes all of the difference. So for example, if you homeschool your kids, some kids respond really well to that, some don't. It's not, it doesn't mean that they're dumb. It might be that they are craving social interactions and therefore school would be better for them. They would get better results that way. It is all dependent. But because we have a system, an education system nowadays that needs to crank out as many kids as possible, we select the one method that allows that. And it's a method that leaves a lot of, a lot of kids behind. Some people understand things quickly and they can go home and they don't really have to work anymore. I was one of them. I would even do my homework during the class. I was writing notes and doing the homework. At, at home, I was chill. And if I was struggling with something, my mom was there. She's intelligent. She was able to solve things for me. I know that some kids, some kids don't have that. Are they dumber? Yeah, you can say they're dumber, but they're also, they are also influenced by the environment. And then something that I wanted to bring up too, because you just you just brought up a lot of very interesting topics and I forgot entirely. So I'm going to let you continue and I'm sure that I'm going to remember. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, I know. I completely agree on the range because I have a friend who's, I, I think, overly obsessed with the IQ topic and he'll be like, well, look at this. And, you know, it's, it's completely genetic because this is what their parents had and this is what they had. And it's like, yeah, but like, if their mom was a single mom in the inner city and they got poor schooling and then, yeah, they had poor tests. I'm not saying that that kid who got an, you know, 800 on the SAT could get a 1600, but he probably in the right environment, you know, with, with good teachers and, and, you know, whatever other influences maybe could have gotten it up to a, a 1200, 1100, whatever, something, you know, um, and, and even going back, you know, I, in my video, and I had mentioned that I had done very well on the dental admissions test. I think this would apply to bodybuilding as well. So, you know, I scored 99.7th percentile on that exam. Does that mean that I have, I think I have 99.7th or above percentile IQ? No, but maybe I have 90th percentile and that plus extremely dedicated effort allowed me to score that way. This is the same thing as you saying, well, the 20th percentile genetics could still have a one, uh, you know, a top one percentile uh, uh, physique. Whether I, I agree with those exact numbers, I'm not sure, but I agree with the principle that if you want to be a top 1% physique, maybe you have to have a 50th to 80th percentile genetics, you know, or, or whatever that, that principle is. If, if you're 10th percentile, maybe you could get to the point of having a 50th or 60th percentile physique, it, just as, you know, again, by example. So I think with a lot of these things, we have a range and it was, it's productive to focus on getting to the top of your range, you know, but then obviously understanding that it might not be the best of the best. Yeah. And that, that reminds me of what I wanted to say to also try to bring it back to genetics and not keep it in the realm of the political philosophical discussion. The Pygmalion effect in this case, you mentioned something like, for example, mentioning race or gender can have an influence on the way people perform. And it's something that has been verified in chess, for example. If you look at chess, there are chess matches for men and for women. And the amount of women that made it in the top 10 best chess players in the world is ridiculously slow, small. I think that you have Judith, Judith Polgar that made it, but there has never been a female champion. Never. They cannot compete with the men. And I don't think it's because of IQ. I don't think it's because of biology. I think it's because if you look at historically the way chess has functioned, little girls, when they start playing chess at six, they play against other girls. And therefore, they are already being downgraded because they're not going to play the best competition. And amongst themselves, they're not going to 
emulate the type of level, the type of high-level competition that is found in the men. The men compete and they think we're the best. Now, does it mean that there is no difference biologically? I don't know. I'm not sure. There clearly is in sports. Even if you make a girl compete with other men in sports, she's going to get crushed. But I think that at the end of her career, she will be much better than if she had just performed against other girls. And it's the same with lifting. This is when we look at standards and which one to espouse. Do we lower the standard and we accept the fact that we're all mediocre and therefore we all have to assume that we have middling genetics and it's, there's nothing to be done about that? I don't think so. I think that instead we need to have a delusional view of genetics and think, okay, my potential is here. Maybe you're wrong. Maybe it's here. But at least as you shoot for it, you're going to go higher than if you thought your potential was here. Because the concept of the glass, glass ceiling is a real thing. If you tell someone, hey, in two years, you will meet your natural limit. And I've seen that in France. In two years, training does nothing. Guess what? Two years later, they stop progressing. Is it because biologically there was an influence of the culture? No. It's because the environment makes it so that they won't push any further. So now they created an actual limitation from thin air. This is what I'm trying to get rid of. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree there. And I think uh, it's interesting when people, you know, going back to the whole bell curve topic, something that I would just point out when talking about percentiles here, and, and you could apply this, is is there a biological difference between the men and women in, in IQ? And, and some I've seen research showing both directions, and you know, it starts to get a little bit controversial there, obviously. But one thing I would just make people have be aware of is, let's say that the average difference between you know, male and female intelligence on in mathematics, you know, if you were to try to measure that was extremely close on average, but everything was shifted to the left on this curve by just 1%. So let's say like the average woman was just 1% worse than men. That would mean that literally the top 1% of all men and women would be all male. And so what happens is when you are at the extremes of bell curves, that's where you see a lot of these huge differences. That's, that's why, you know, again, in this example, you get into different, you know, races or, or, you know, male versus female, but at the end, it makes a very big difference. And when you're talking about, you know, the people who are Nobel prize winners or, or like the top IQ or the top athletes, right. We're talking about, you know, the people you see on TV are the top 0.1%. So that's obviously where the, that genetic influence is, is bigger. But I agree with you when you're looking at like these averages and, and most of these realms that we're discussing, um, those small differences don't matter for most people, I should say. Yeah. And it, it is tougher for men. It's a great point you brought in the video. I think it was slightly too short and it was at the end of the video. So most people didn't understand how relevant it was. But if you look at normal distributions between men and, men and women, regardless of the context, you will find that the distribution is always wider with men. There are always outliers in men. So in intelligence, you have a ton of men who are really dumb and people who are really intelligent. All of the top yep. geniuses tend to be men, whereas women, it's more constrained in the middle. And I believe that this is purely explained by evolution. It's because as a man you're going to have a certain tendency of the human species to move towards passing down the genes of the most exceptional ones. So the ones at the bottom of the range are supposed to die off and it's supposed to, with time, height up the average, right? Because the bell curve is going to be more skewed towards average and the top percent. And the ones at the, the, the extreme, the ones that are not quote unquote needed or wanted by the species are going to go away. It's 
horribly black pilling to hear that, of course, because you might think, well, I'm, I'm that guy. I'm at this, the end. Do I disappear? No. You might be that guy for one type of thing. And I, I'm going to uh, cite someone who is not a philosopher, but who I consider to be a great man. It's the late Rich Piana, who was mm. considered by many to be a, a complete idiot because of the way he looked. But he was actually very street smart. And something he mentioned in one of his videos is that you might have bad genetics for muscle building, but you might have good genetics for intelligence. Which one is the most important? It's intelligence. That's what's most applicable in everyday life. And then you look at the types of intelligence, emotional, logical, things that apply to mathematics. Some people are really smart when it comes to literature, like I am, and they cannot do math to save their life. All of, that, all of these things are applications. But because in lifting, we only care about lifting, we hyper-focus on this one thing and we say, I have bad genetics. No one that has said they have bad genetics was correct because they might have bad genetics for muscle building, but not for something else. Maybe other types of athletics would be better suited for them. But it's because they have tried to turn that thing, that muscle building thing into the one thing in life. They're trying to derive pride from it. And they're almost trying to become a pro, as you said. But not everyone is about to be a pro. And I would even argue that most people don't want to become pro. You don't want to have to do all of these sacrifices. Enjoy the fact that you get to better your body, get better health and better mental health as well. And that's it. It's also the expectations, expectations of people. It's great to have a very high ceiling, but don't expect to be able to make money of it. Don't expect to be that guy who's admired by millions. Just bring it back to the self. Stop com comparing yourself so much and enjoy that gift that you have along with your other many gifts because you are gifted in other regards. Yeah. Well, and again, I think that's a very good, maybe that's a good closing note, but because realistically i do think that awareness is you know the more we talk about the more i think we are on the same page and on the message there i think that awareness is important which if you go back to and again just because iq is analogous here the average mathematician iq is like 145 like i don't, I don't think most people you know you hear some people online like oh i have an iq of 130 it's like that uh, 130 is already like 97th percentile 145 you probably don't know that many people who are that intelligent, realistically speaking. And if you had, let's say an IQ of 130 and you try, you're like, I just love math. I want to be a mathematician. You can do that, but just understand that you're probably going to struggle compared to your peers in that group. Uh, but again, going back. And so that, well, I should say that is why I think some awareness of it can be helpful in determining where you set your goals. But as you said, it is different because that's a career choice, right? So that's like, how am I going to make money and have a living with lifting? There, there are so many benefits to it. And I do think more so than a career, you can just focus on yourself. I think you can just say, this is my, like you said, I, I also agree. It's not really a sport. It's more of like an art form. I think you can say, this is what I have. So let me carve this out as well as possible. I think it lends itself a little bit more towards having your own journey compared to even like other or like real sports where just necessarily there's going to be a comparison. Yeah. And something I want to bring up to rebound on this, because you just mentioned something that is important, I think, and it's the fact that, and I've seen that in your comments, we could also consider hard work and consistency to be a genetic trait. 
many people have started to try to say that it is. And this is when I disagree 100%, right? Mm -hmm. I can understand that genetics is a biological component that is in the DNA. Okay, fine. But the ability to put your mind to it, if you start to believe that some humans are born with it and some are not, this is the ultimate black pill. Because now you've accepted that some people just can't even try. Mm -hmm. And you've been in academia. I think that's something that I've noticed myself is the fact that, yes, people are very smart. You look at people with masters, with PhDs, they're very smart. But most importantly, they're dedicated. And for me, I know that my master's was a struggle because the goal was to make us quit. 50% of the people in my master's did not get the diploma. Midway through the diploma, my advisor approached me and was like, hey, look, it's not for you. You're not going to get it. Just quit right now. You're going to save yourself so much money. I learned afterwards that she did that to every single person. The goal was to filter people, not on intelligence, but on the ability to work and to not give up. And that's harsh. that's harsh. And this... Okay, I don't want to dox myself, but this woman worked for the UN. She was ex she was the top of the top of the field where we try to get a master's. When you have the expert in the field who tells you, hey, you're not cut for it, who wouldn't quit? Now, imagine and bring it back to the gym. Imagine a big guy approaches you and say, hey, kid, you don't have the genetics. Just quit right now. Do you quit? Well, if you quit, you've lost. This was the taste. This was the test. This was the mindset. And this is when genetics stop having so much of an importance when you realize that you can just try hard and you'll get better results than people who had better genetics. So you talked earlier about how important uh, teachers' expectations are, right? And positive expectations could help that student. So doesn't that kind of... Completely contradicts it. Yeah. <laughs> no, because, because this woman was on the extreme, right? I think you have, you have the, the soft extreme of responsibility at the core of everything where you say it's it's on you try harder etc but you try to be encouraging and i'm glad you brought it up because it's a flow of mine that you pointed out i tend to be too aggressive and i tend to try to provoke people too much because it's what works with me it's what sets the fire in me but then you look at what this woman did and she broke people people who had potential and she was like it's not for you and because they lack the mindset they quit this is a form of determinism that i can accept it's what I said at the start. Genetics and filtering people based on genetics, I disagree with 100%. But then when you give them the choice and you're like, hey, you're not cut for it. Do you want to continue or do you want to quit? And they quit. Now you willingly decided to not give yourself a chance. She was not doing things properly, but it's because she did not care. She wanted the cream of the crop and the best of the best. I also think that she didn't really like to correct all of these copies and she didn't want to sit through <laughs> 15 comprehensive exams. So she was very happy to get rid of people. Yeah. Um, because she had half of the tuition already, so she, she wasn't really interested in, get, in keeping them. But for us, depending on who you are, I want to keep as many people as possible, but I'm also not going to make sacrifices. I'm not going to lower the standard just to allow the most people to feel comfortable and to feel cuddled. Again, I'm willing to hurt some feelings. So it brings it back to the Pygmalion effect. I'm going to up the standard because I know you can get there. The question is, can you get there? Yeah. Yeah. And again, I'm not going to act like I, I know the answer as far as like the, the right method there. Um, but it, it's something I even think of, you know, as some, I don't have kids, but as somebody who, who would like a family in the near future, it's something to think about, you know, like what's the best way to get somebody to reach their potential. I mean, Ronnie Coleman didn't even really want to compete. And at least the story is that the gym owner was like, if you compete, I will give you a free membership, but I want, you know, to kind of bring you to that territory. And I, I'm sure, obviously, like anything, there's going to be individual variation of, of what works best. You, you found for you that maybe something harsher. Um, but I, I think I do respond more to positive feedback. 
and again, what makes that difference between you and I, not that I, I never had the mindset of like, I'm going to prove somebody wrong. Sure. That exists too. Um, but yeah, you, you know, and I'm sure there's a lot of research out there on like what leads to the individual variation. Yeah. And for Ronnie Coleman, again, there is a word, there is a parallel universe where Ronnie Coleman became a carrot salesman and never became a pro bodybuilder because when the guy told him, Hey, either you compete or you get the fuck out of my gym. He said, well, I'm, I don't want to compete. So I'm leaving. And he never reveals his potential. You point out at this guy and you say, well, does he have good genetics or bad genetics? He never became Ronnie Coleman, but he's still Ronnie Coleman. It's the same body. The difference was in the choices that the person took. Yeah. So were there any other, I know you had some notes there, anything else that you wanted to address? Well, to wrap it up and to connect back to the start, the reason why I said that we agreed on the overall message and the reason why I liked your video, and again, I recommend people go watch it after they watch this, is because we came to the same conclusion. And the same conclusion is that determinism is not necessarily a bad thing. And the fact that some at some point you have to accept your fate and the cards you've been given is the way to go, right? You play a game of poker, you're not going to pretend that you don't have the cards in your hands. You have to strategize with what you have. This is the acceptance part, and it's very important. It's why also the delusional part about genetics needs to be a little bit controlled, okay? You might not have the best genes, and if you think you have, you're going to be disappointed, and if it makes you stop, then it's a problem. We want you to keep going. But this is when we reach the threshold and we reach the, the distinction between nihilism and what I call active pessimism. You said at the end of your video that you did not want to offer a nihilistic viewpoint or standpoint. And I think you did a good job doing that because nihilism would be saying that everything is predecided, like my genetics are predecided, and because they might be bad, I won't even try. And if you do that again, it's a self-inflicted Pygmalion effect and you create a self-defeating prophecy. So you, you, completely, you completely misunderstood the assignment. If this is your take on genetics, if the people who watched the video took that from what you said, which is not what you said. Instead, they should be active pessimists. Hey, I might have bad genetics. It's all decided. I will not change them, but I'm going to still do my best to try. And this is when you will find that most likely what you thought your selling was was not what it was. It's going to be higher. Overall, it's going to make you happier. You're going to prove yourself wrong. You're going to enter into something that is going to give you some positive feedback. And this is, I believe, at the end of the day, the way to go about genetics. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great wrap-up, man. I will say this is one of the most stimulating podcasts I've had in a while. really enjoyed it. And I definitely want to get you back on in the future. I will absolutely come back because I had a blast as well. So where can people find more of your stuff? So I'm mostly on YouTube. I don't divert my attention too much. I post some selfies on Instagram, but it's nothing very profound. If you subscribe to my page, you can expect three to five uploads a week. I post very long videos. I talk about philosophy. I talk about psychology a lot. I show lifting tutorials, of course. I talk about programming, overall things to make you not only a better lifter, but I believe a better man and someone who is able to think for themselves. Good stuff, man. And I will have links to all of that below. Thank you so much.